You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Brothers and sisters, this afternoon I proclaim to you the word of God as it is summarized by the church and confessed in Lord's Day 45. That is about prayer. Why is prayer necessary for Christians and what belongs to a prayer which pleases God. And in connection with that, we read from the Bible, from the book of James, chapter 4, verse 1 through to 10. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have, because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive, because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason? And the spirit he caused to live in us envies in intensely. But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded Grieve, mourn, and will. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. In Lord's Day 45, there we read what the church summarizes from the Word of God and confesses. Why is prayer necessary for Christians? Because prayer is the most important part of the thankfulness which God requires of us. Moreover, God will give His grace and the Holy Spirit only to those who constantly and with heartfelt longing ask Him for His gifts and thank Him for them. What belongs to a prayer which pleases God and is heard by Him? First, we must from the heart call upon the one true God only who has revealed Himself in His Word for all that He has commanded us to pray. Second, we must thoroughly know our need and misery so that we may humble ourselves before God. Third, we must rest on this firm foundation that although we do not deserve it, God will certainly hear our prayer for the sake of Christ our Lord as he has promised us in his word. What has God commanded us to ask of him? All the things we need for body and soul, as included in the prayer which Christ our Lord himself taught us. What is the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. 
lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Brothers and sisters, beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Lord's Day 44, we heard that God gives us the Ten Commandments so that we should realize that we need the grace of the Holy Spirit so that through the Spirit we may more and more be renewed after God's image. So prayer is necessary to be able to keep God's commandments. God gives us the Ten Commandments so that by keeping these commandments we can show to God our thankfulness. Christ saved us and gives us a new life, and that new life is a life in which we love God and love our neighbor. That is how God created us. And that is how our new, our Christian life is. When Christ comes back, then we will be perfect in that. Then we will also be perfect in keeping God's commandments. Because that is how God created man before sin corrupted us. And that is also how God is working to recreate us. That is how our new life shall be. That is the goal of perfection at the return of Christ. But in the meantime, we already have the desire to live according to all the commandments of God. That is that new life in us which we receive through the Holy Spirit, the beginning of the new life. Christ saved us from the power of sin and Satan so that we would be able to live with God again. In paradise, God walked with Adam and Eve through the garden, and he spoke to them and they to him. They walked with God, that means they communicated with him, and in their communication they praised God and glorified him, for his great deeds which they saw, which they discovered in the creation, in paradise. And that is what man did at the end of the day when God walked with them in the cool of the day. When God came to man to walk with him in the garden. But on that one day, a terrible day, God came again, God came again in the cool of the day. But Adam and Eve, they were not there. They were not waiting for God to come and walk with them. They hid from him because they were afraid. They did not want to meet God because they sinned. And after that, they realized that they ruined God's good creation and their relationship with God and with each other. It was not possible anymore. To walk without, to, to walk with God without fear. And then it is the grace of God that He promised right away that He would restore that relationship. That He would send the Savior, the seed of the woman, who would crush the head of Satan and who would make it possible again that God and man could walk together and communicate. 
And it was based on this work of the Savior that Adam and Eve and their descendants could still live. And that the Bible could even say about Enoch in Genesis 5 verse 24 that Enoch walked with God. And that he was no more because God took him away. Through the grace of the Holy Spirit, Enoch lived such a life that it was almost as it was before the fall and sin. He walked with God. He talked with God. He communicated with God his whole life long. In everything that he did, he listened to God. And he wanted to, he wanted to know what God wanted him to do. Walking with God every day of your life. If you're walking with somebody and, and you're talking together, then your attention will be focused on the other. And what you do and, and where you're going, that depends on where the other goes and what he does. That is how Enoch lived. That is how God tells us to live our whole life long. And through the grace of the Holy Spirit, we will grow towards that goal, the goal of perfection, the goal of walking with God every moment of our lives, involving God in everything that we do. And we will reach that goal when Christ returns. But we will begin with it, with the growth towards a goal already now on this earth. It is possible only through the grace of the Holy Spirit, as we heard in Lord's Day 44. And then in Lord's Day 45, we read that God will give us grace in the Holy Spirit only to those who constantly and with heartfelt longing ask Him for these gifts and thank Him for them. And this afternoon we will listen to what the Word of God teaches us as it is summarized in Lord's Day 45 about prayer. And I proclaim to you the Word of God under this theme. Walk humbly with God in a life of constant prayer. The first we see how do we pray, and second, how do we live? Walk humbly with God in a life of constant prayer. First, how do we pray? To live a life of constant prayer, we should first know how we must pray. And as we close our eyes and fold our hands and pray, that in itself does not mean that it is a prayer that pleases God And it will be heard by God. Also as Christians we can have a wrong way of praying. When we look at other religions, for instance the Islam, or we look at the religions about which the Bible speaks, then we see that prayer always has an important place. It are not only the Christians who pray. But then we also see that prayer is always meant to try to influence the gods in one way or another. So that they would look favorably upon them, or that prayer is a kind of obligation or a kind of good work by which they try to appease their gods or to seek their favor. If they want to ask something from their gods, then often they pray with an abundance of words, and they hope that the gods will listen to them. But they are never sure of that. This was also the way how the citizens of Athens prayed and worshipped in the days of Paul. 
We can read about that in the book of Acts, Acts 17, that they erected an altar even for the unknown God. And they thought it might be possible. We have so many gods. We worship so many gods. It might be possible that we forgot one god. And in order to satisfy also this god, we will build an altar for him. And although we don't know his name, we will bring sacrifices to him. We will pray to him. Our Lord Jesus Christ, he teaches us that this is not the way we should pray to God. We must not pray like the hidden people do. We don't need to find the right way to please God by using many words. We know how we should pray. God teaches us in his word how to pray. And therefore when we pray, we should first know God's word. We should first know God himself, how he revealed himself to us. And then God is not a vague, a higher being somewhere up there, high above in heaven, who perhaps will listen to us, but about whom we can never be sure. A God about whom we can only speak as a higher being, as so many all in this world want to speak, like to speak about him, the one up there. No. God revealed himself to us very clearly in his word. In his word, he tells us who he is and how he is. It is therefore essential that we read the Bible and that we know God's word. And that we know from his word how he wants to be worshipped by us. If we don't have much time to read the Bible, we all are busy. We all have a busy schedules every day again. When you have to get up early to go to school or to go to work, then we don't have much time to read the Bible. But if you don't have much time to read the Bible, to study the Bible, to meditate on it, yes, then we will also have a hard time to pray. Or we do pray, but only out of custom. We use words which we know by heart because we pray them so often. But... While our thoughts aren't there, we don't really know what we pray. Now, I don't want to say that every time that we pray, we should use different words. That we should never use the same words. No, but what I mean is that so often when we pray, then we pray because we think we should, and we say a number of sentences, a a number of words, without really knowing what we say, And we think that we fulfilled our obligation before our meals, before a meeting, or at the end of the day, we quickly say our prayers. Well, if that is the case, then we must know that that is not a prayer that will be heard by God. It is not the act of praying in itself that is important, but it is important what we pray and how we pray. Our prayer is our communication with God. God speaks to us and he wants us to answer in a prayer. Prayer should not be a kind of ritual. In a ritual ceremony, there the act in itself is important. It should be done according to certain rules. And that is how the heathen people pray. The Muslims, they must pray five times a day on sacred ground 
with her face to Mecca. But that is not how God communicates with us. God came to us, he revealed himself to us in our own human language. He doesn't speak to us in a kind of divine language which we should try to translate, but which is difficult to understand. Many of the heathen people believed that they needed a priest to translate for them the words of their gods, their oracles. And that is in fact also the principle of all those horoscopes nowadays. People who read horoscopes and all kinds of magazines, in fact they see the writers of those horoscopes as people who can read the stars and in that way can understand the will of the gods or the will of fate, as they call it. Fate, that is their God. And this God speaks to them through the stars. And some people have the gift to read in the stars the future. What will happen and to whom. Or who tell us how to act to, pro- to, to prevent ill fate and to find good luck. But God speaks to us in our own human language, which everybody can read and understand. We don't need priests to translate a divine language for us or to translate our words back into the divine language. God revealed himself to us as our Father who speaks to us and to whom we can speak directly. We can count on him. We don't have to wonder in what mood he is today or what we need to do to please him. He is reliable. His name is Yahweh. That means I am who I am. He made himself known to us and he gave his promises to us. We may call on his promises. He made his covenant with us. And it is all there in the Bible. And God comes to us and he wants to communicate with us as a father who loves us. Who loves his children. And he wants us, his children, to trust in him and to call him Father. That we love him as our Father, our heavenly, perfect, loving and caring Father. And that we have confidence in him, that he will listen to us. (laughs) And therefore our prayer should not be in a solemn language or an abundance of words in beautiful sentences or a way of speaking that can awaken emotions and bring tears into our eyes. Our prayer is not a show for others to show them how well we can pray. No, we pray to God. And God wants us to speak to Him in the way He taught us to pray. With reverence, yes. But that is something else than in a special solemn language or an abundance of words. A child can also speak very reverently with very simple words. And our prayer can be a long prayer, yes, indeed. If you have so much to bring before God in a prayer, if you have so much to ask for, then it can be long. But that is something different than an abundance of words. That does not mean, however, that every prayer that comes from the heart is with that also a good prayer. Again, also heathen people can pray from the heart to their gods, and still it is not how God taught us to pray. The Catechism says in answer 117 that we must pray for all that he has commanded us to pray. 
And again, that is what we must read the Bible for. God tells us what we should pray. And in order to know what we should pray, we should also know our needs. And again, our needs, the Bible shows us what our needs are. We must know our own situation. We must thoroughly know our needs and misery. In Lord's 44, we learned that the law of God teaches us our situation before God, so that more and more we pray to God for the grace of the Holy Spirit to be renewed after God's image. That is what God commands us to pray, for the grace of the Holy Spirit. If we don't know ourselves, if we don't know our situation, well, then we will never pray for the grace of the Holy Spirit. Because then we believe that we don't need it. Then again, if we don't know ourselves, if we don't know our sin and misery, then we see ourselves just as so many heathen people do and did, as people who do something for their God in order to get something back, who please their God by their prayer, who fulfill their obligations by their prayer in order to receive a favor from Him. But God commands us to know ourselves so that we know our misery and that we are unable to offer anything to God and that we fully depend on His grace. We are all conceived and born in sin and deserve eternal condemnation. And it is through Jesus Christ and only through His work that there is salvation. And God does not tell us to save ourselves by meticulously keeping God's commandments or praying so many times a day, or in following certain rules? No. For instance, the form for the baptisms, when it speaks about the obligation of the covenant, it says that we are to cleave to this one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to trust in Him and to love Him with our whole heart, soul, and mind, and with all our strength. Cleave to Him. Trust in Him. Love Him. That is what it all starts with. Expect everything from Him. Because we know that we can't expect anything from ourselves. Everything we need, we must receive from God. And that is our attitude when we pray. That is essential for our prayer. Then we humble ourselves before God. James says in in James 4, verse 6, that God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And in verse 9, there we read, Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will lift you up. And that is it indeed. If you want to receive real joy, then you should first realize your sinfulness. You should first mourn because of your desperate situation. And that will please God, a broken heart. And then you may seek your help and comfort in God. And He will lift you up and give you real joy. A joy that is much better than all the pleasures and a joy together that this world and that sin can offer. 
And God wants us to receive that real joy. To enjoy the real beauty of life. Of our new eternal life. A life with God. And therefore he wants us to humble ourselves before him. So that we can receive it all from him. And if we know our need and misery, then we know what we should pray for. The Catechism says that we must from the heart call upon God for all that he has commanded us to pray. Commanded us to pray. It is not a right that we have. We don't have the right to go to God and to present our wish list to him. We don't have the right to pray for certain things for which he allows us to pray. We don't have the right to pray for healing, to pray for wealth, to pray for prosperity, to pray for this and for that. No, it is not that we may pray. No, we have the obligation to pray for all that God commanded us to pray. In Acts 116, the Catechism speaks about prayer as the most important part of the thankfulness which God requires of us. It is not that we can pray whenever we feel the need to pray. God demands us to pray constantly. That means every day again. God commands us not only to pray for spiritual blessings, but also for everything that we need for body and soul, also the daily needs. God tells us to acknowledge every day again that there is nothing in our lives that does not come from God. Everything we need must be given to us by God. If we really know ourselves, then we also know what we need and what we should pray for. Then we also know, again from the Bible, what God commanded us to pray. In James 4, verse 1 to 3, James speaks to people who act and pray with the wrong motives. They are all self-righteous. They all think very highly of themselves, even so much that they look down upon others who are different. They condemn others who don't act like they do, who in fact hinder them to receive the honor and glory they want. They quarrel and fight. They kill and covet. And then James says in verse 2, You want something but don't get it. You kill and covet but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. Whatever they need, God will give it to them. If only they pray for it. If they want wisdom, They will get it. God will give his grace and his spirit to them if only they pray for it. Or James says in verse 3, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. That's also possible. That they do pray, but not in humbleness. They don't pray for what God commanded them to pray. But they prayed with the wrong motives, so that they would get what they wanted. They expected that God would listen to them instead of them listening to God. 
When we pray, brothers and sisters, then we should always acknowledge in our prayer that God knows better what we need than we do it ourselves. We must pray for everything that we need for body and soul. That does not mean that we can't pray for everything. The Lord Jesus teaches us in Matthew 6 that we should first seek God's kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. That means that if we in our prayer ask for everything that we need to serve God and to seek his kingdom, then God will give us everything that we need for that. Then we don't have to worry about food, about clothing, about whatever. It should not be our first goal to ask God in a prayer for things we want to have. If we are sick, then it should not be our first goal to ask for healing. But we should ask God to teach us how to serve Him in our sickness. We can tell God that we would like to receive healing, and we can ask God if He will bless medication and treatment and give us healing. But first, before we do so, first we must offer ourselves entirely to God, present us to Him as a living sacrifice, and ask Him to teach us how to serve Him. Also in a situation in which we are at that moment, if it is sickness, then with our sickness. If it is poverty, then with our poverty. God wants to be served by us every moment of our lives in a situation in which we are at that very moment, not in a situation in which we want to be. Or we can decide for ourselves that we can serve God so much better if we are healthy. But then God can decide that he can use us better with our sickness than if we are healthy. And then we can ask God to give us healing, but we must be willing to receive a different answer than we would like to hear. The Apostle Paul speaks about that when he says that he had a thorn in his flesh. We don't know exactly what that was. But he was convinced that a thorn hindered him. And he asked God three times if God would take it away from him because he thought he could serve God so much better if God took it away. But you know what the answer of God was? God said, no. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Brothers and sisters, too often we don't realize enough that it is in our weakness that God's power is made perfect. God works in and through our weakness. It is not our own power, it is not our own prosperity, not our own skills which will show God's power. No, it is all God's work in us. And even if God does give us health, wealth, prosperity, then, and especially then, we must realize our weakness and acknowledge that it is all given to us not to exalt ourselves, but to glorify God. Not to boast in ourselves, but to use it all to serve God and seek His kingdom. 
And often it is much more difficult in prosperity than in adversity. The Lord Jesus said that it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. A rich man can think that he can serve God with his wealth, but it can so easily become a way of serving God as also heathen people do. To try to please God with your own possessions by bringing sacrifices of your own wealth, thinking that you are doing a good job instead of being humble and realizing that you don't deserve anything of it. And that you're only a steward who has a task to administer it for God and to use it to seek his kingdom. Oh, we all would like to be rich. Let's be honest. We all would like to be rich. And we all know how we can serve God with our riches, with our wealth. But often we don't realize that it is very difficult for a Christian to be rich. Being rich also means that we have a huge responsibility. It does not make it easier for us as Christians. And we can say, we can say the same for having a good health, doing well in school, having a good job, and being capable of attaining high positions. Sometimes we can be envious of people who have success in life. But too often we don't realize that that is also very dangerous. It makes it for Christians a lot more difficult to remain humble and serve God in the way he wants to be served. Therefore, we should not ask for prosperity. We should not ask for success in our lives. But we should ask God to give us the talents which we can handle. The one can handle ten talents. Well, he must ask for ten talents. Another can handle five talents. He must be satisfied with his five talents and not ask for more. God will give to everyone what he needs. And we should learn to ask for what we need. And if we ask too much and God does not give us what we ask for, then we must see it as God's grace that he does not give us more than we can handle and that he protects us from ourselves. And then we see in the second place that is also the way we live. How do we live? The Lord teaches us that we should show by our prayer that we depend on him. We expect everything from him. And if that is what we show in our prayer, then that should also be the theme of our life. It is impossible that we confess in our prayer that we expect everything from God, that we cannot live without his care over us, But in our daily life, we live as if we do it all ourselves, as if it is our money and our skills that enables us to do what we do. If we really and wholeheartedly pray a prayer as Lord's Day 45 describes it in answer 117, then that will change our entire life. We cannot pray such a prayer if we don't live accordingly in our daily life. Lord's Day 45 starts with the question why prayer is necessary for Christians. And the answer is that it is the most important part of the thankfulness which God requires of us. And thankfulness, that is something for our whole life. We should not just pray two or three times a day, 
or maybe even five times or seven times a day, but we should live a life of constant prayer. Prayer should be the theme of our life. That means we should live in constant contact with God. That does not mean that we should pray constantly, as often as possible. But it does mean that we live a life in which we walk with God, in which God is involved in everything that we do, in which we realize more and more that what we do, that we do it in the presence of God. We live in the presence of God every day of our lives, every moment of our lives. And if we really love God, then we will know it right away if something that we do will grieve Him. That must be our attitude. That we know God so well that we also know how to please Him and how to show to Him our love. We need the grace of the Holy Spirit to start a new life. It is only through the Holy Spirit that we can start a new life. He wants us, God wants us to ask for His Holy Spirit. And then He does give us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will work in us. But the Holy Spirit cannot work in us if we refuse to live a life in dependence on God. Because then we come in a, in, in, in a weird situation that we say to God, Please, God, give me a new life, give me your Holy Spirit, and work in me by your Spirit. But then, when we say Amen and our life continues, then we say, when God, when God does give us the Holy Spirit, then we say, no, not now, please. Wait for another time, a better time. Well, that is not a life filled with thankfulness. It is God's goal to restore us in a position as the image of God, so that we will communicate with God, walk with Him all the days of our lives. That is one of the main elements of being created in God's image, that we communicate with Him, that we walk with Him. Not only during our moments of prayer, four, five, six times a day, but all the days of our lives, every minute, every second of the day. And therefore it is important when we pray to do it wholeheartedly from the heart. And we must do it constantly, every day again, often. Not only at set times. You can talk to God at any time. And therefore, if you struggle with sin, if you have a specific sin in your life, and you are again tempted to sin, then at that very moment, when you feel, when you see the temptation, you can, yeah, you even must pray to God and ask God not to lead you into temptation. Ask God concrete to help you fight against that specific sin you are dealing with at that very moment. And if you do so, then you will see, if you pray it earnestly, that God will help you, and that you will receive the grace of the Holy Spirit, and that you will be able to resist sin. Or if there is a specific need in a certain situation, also then you can ask God even without closing your eyes, just like Nehemiah did when he was standing before King Artaxerxes, and the king asked him why he was so sad. Then at that very moment, Nehemiah prayed, short and quick prayer, 
even without having the opportunity to kneel down and close his eyes. And he was standing before the king, you know. And that is how we should live. That is really walking with God. Involve God in everything you do. Yes, it is true. God can give us food and drink, clothes and shelter, even prosperity, wealth, even if we don't ask him for it. Even unbelievers get it. And they will often believe that it is their own hard work through which they earned it. That is not the issue. We should not see the hearing of a prayer only in a food and drink which we receive. Yes, also in that. But it is much more. God hears our prayer by giving us a new life. A different life. A life in which we find real rest and joy. A life in Christ. And then we realize that wealth, prosperity, health is not the most important. Then we realize what is really important in our lives. That is the love of God. That makes our lives beautiful. To live with God and walk with Him and enjoy with Him His beautiful creation and thank Him for everything and glorify Him in everything. We may have an eternal joy, an eternal comfort, an eternal certainty. We don't have to live in fear. We don't have to live a stressful life because we know that God has already given us everything. Even before we ask it, He knows what we need. And He gives us all that we need. The only thing that we have to do is to open our eyes and see it, and accept it. And that will give us rest. And that will make our life beautiful. That will change our entire life. Live a life of thankfulness. That is not necessarily a life of hard work, because you think that you have to do it. But it is a life in which we enjoy God's love and God's care over us. A life in which we are glad and thankful a life in which we accept all the gifts which God gives to us, in which we don't worry about the day of tomorrow. We trust in God because we know that He works. He builds His church. He builds His kingdom. He uses us. He uses our work. But it does not depend on us. We know that God is the creator of heaven and earth. We know that God still upholds His creation in His providence. And if we know that and believe that, well, then we can also be sure that he will be able to do all that he promised us. Trust in him. Believe his promises. Accept his promises. And that is, a cra- that is the greatest thankfulness we can show to God. There is no greater thankfulness than to say to God, Yes, God, I believe the promises which you gave to us in your covenant. I believe the promises of which I received the sign and the seal in my baptism. And I don't want anything else than to receive those promises. I love you, God. And I don't want anything else than to live with you forever within the covenant. That is it, brothers and sisters, that God asks of us. That is the obligation of the covenant. To live with God. To accept what he gives you. And then God will give us his Holy Spirit. 
And through His Holy Spirit, we will receive that life, that new life in the covenant, the life in which we walk with God. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.